Welcome to the latest edition of City Parents Talk. I'm Anna Richards and today I'm joined by Paolo Gallo. Paolo is an executive coach, keynote speaker and the author of The Compass and the Radar, The Art of Building a Rewarding Career While Remaining True to Yourself. During the course of his career, Paolo has held senior positions in HR at the World Economic Forum in Geneva, the World Bank in Washington DC and the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development in London. Thank you so much for joining me today, Paolo. Let's start by introducing you a little bit more fully to our listeners. Please tell us a bit about your background and, and what keeps you busy at the moment. Well, my daughter uh, definitely is the most important job that I have. I'm a dad. Her name is Sadika. She's 14 and she's my hero. So that's the most important role that I play in my life. Uh, the rest is uh, temporary and uh, insignificant. However, it kept me busy a bit in, in the past. <laughs> So yes, I've been working in uh, human resources for different organizations instead of HR in uh, you know, European Bank, World Bank and, uh, and the World Economy Forum. And uh, now I'm writing, teaching and coaching and it keeps me busy in, in such an interesting, difficult moment. Absolutely, certainly is. The reason I came across you, first of all, is reading about your book. And in your book, the compass that you refer to in the title talks about morality, ethics, integrity are certainly interesting concepts in all of our careers. What has your career taught you about those concepts and what lessons do you think that our members might learn and take from those lessons that you've learned along the way? Thank you, Anna, for, for your question. And uh, basically, you know, as I mentioned, I've been a uh, head of HR in different organizations. I've been very lucky because I, I work with uh, amazing people and organization all my life and I worked in 80 countries and I worked uh, with amazing individuals uh, pretty much all over the globe, you know? So a few years ago, I started to reflect on a very simple question is, uh, what does it mean having a successful career, okay? Uh, because the conventional idea is, uh, is you know, you climb corporate ladder, you become the CEO or big, big cheese in whatever organization. And so there is a bit of, let's say, a conventional and to a certain extent, a boring way of looking at, uh, at careers. Uh, so by reflecting and by studying and by using my 30 years experience, I, I came up with, uh, with, with a different interpretation, which is not only related to uh, uh, making more money or becoming more powerful or, or try to become the head of whatever organization, but it's about two things. And that's the symbol of, of the book. Uh, the radar is the capacity to have uh, the, the big picture, try to understand what's happening around you. Over and, over and above the job description of, of your company, whatever company or sector you're working for. And the, the compass is fundamentally the capacity to remember a very simple question, which is uh, what do you stand for? What do you stand for is more profound than KPIs and financial results, is to do with the values uh, that you are referring to that should be, in my view, uh, the driving force of your, of your personal and professional life. And so by respecting these values and being consistent with these values, and in my view, you remain true to yourself, which is the subtitle of this book. The different interpretations of success and the different ways that we might consider it. I think that a lot of our members at City Parents, who of course, mostly, but not, not exclusively working parents, after having children is quite a natural time for people to take stock and consider what success looks like in their whole lives, work and personal lives. What advice would you give to a new mother or father 
returning to work after perhaps having a child and and thinking about what do I want for my life and my career now how would you advise them to take a breath and and think about those those concepts well listen first of all again as a coach uh, I, I tend to stay away from giving advice uh, because I, I'm absolutely convinced and uh, then people can come up with their own solutions but I think it goes back to what I said a couple of minutes earlier Having very clear in your mind uh, what you stand for and what are your, your priorities. One of the exercises, for example, that I do as a coach, uh, I ask people to say, what are your priorities? And I have to say, I see a, a, a big degree of consistency in, in everybody by putting families, health, uh, et cetera, et cetera, these kind of uh, important issues in, uh, in our life. Uh, but then when then you analyze how you actually have spent your energy in the last uh, perhaps six months, uh, you see a, a, a rather scary delta and gap between what you claim be important and actually how you use your energies no and um and therefore you you this uh, reflection helps people to say okay cognitively i know it uh, the point is i don't apply with uh, with my practice what i what i know is already there and so you have to rebalance a bit uh, the this uh, your life uh, and i think this coronavirus crisis has pushed us to uh reconsider the values and priorities in our life in a, in a way that is, uh, in my view, unprecedented. And so is, uh, it, it is an awful moment in our existence, absolutely. There's also a moment full of learning and full of teaching that I think we should uh, leverage for the future of our life and the future of our kids, I believe. Absolutely. An extraordinary year 2020 and, and I'm sure beyond will turn out to be. Have you considered how your career and, and your book, I suppose, as an output of that career might have looked if you'd written it this year or next year or sometime in the future? Mm -hmm. No, of course, it is. It's, um, it, fair enough, actually, I was, I was speaking with, uh, with my publishing house uh, yesterday and uh, now my book is going to be on paperback uh, uh, in a few months and uh, next year my new one and of course uh, uh, right now it would be maybe maybe a different book uh, to a certain extent in some uh, in some of the elements what does it mean work uh, maybe just to give an example we we always thought that work is a place where you go and now over the last few months we realize that it's not the case job work is not the place that you go an activity that you perform and incidentally we, we should not replace an assumption with another assumption the assumption before you go to the office now you're working from home in reality what i believe we've seen uh, the work is is nothing to do with with the place it's to do with activity so it could be done in a camping in a beach uh, in a i don't know the mountains in a tennis court uh, that's perhaps uh, an assumption that has been demolished uh, in the last few months. Another one, if you think about, uh, is one of the role of a, of a, of a leader. You know? So usually you go to an organization where the, the big boss uh, sits in a corner office and there is a lot of symbol of power attached to that position. And now you, you're working from home. And then uh, you may have a cat uh, passing by during the webinar. You can hear maybe your kids uh, Sing or playing piano or, or, or whatever. So he, he removed some of the power element attached to the leadership position and humanized more individuals. So that's changed also the way in which leaders are, are, are performed. What I think is fair, and perhaps I'm repeating myself here, that uh, in my view, a crisis doesn't um, build a character, but reveal a character of individuals. Okay. So the idea to say, okay, we get somebody that is 
I don't know, I just say something a bit funny, but if you get an idiot and you put him in a crisis, he's an idiot in a crisis. Uh, it doesn't change his, his, his behavior. Um, it's actually his behavior is uh, magnified and then uh, some of the stupid behavior becomes even more evident. But a crisis reveals the character of individuals, reveals the characters of organizations, and therefore is a, is a is wonderful acid test uh, to really see the substance of the DNA of people and organizations. And I think right now, one of the things that I'm suggesting to people is to say, observe how the organization is behaving right now. Are they, uh, let's say, supportive? Uh, did they take some measure to, to protect your well-being? Did they put your health and, and your safety before profits? Uh, if the answer is yes, uh, it's probably a good organization to be. If the answer is not really, well, then, then you, you might want to give some thoughts. And uh, in the last few months, we've seen uh, an amazing array of, um, of behavior. Organizations have done amazing things to keep people's jobs and to keep them safe, and organizations have done pretty much the opposite. So I think it's also very interesting right now to evaluate your organization from this perspective. And what would you advise from an employer's perspective and leaders who are grappling with this perceived lack of control or need for trust in a way that feels more real now. How would you advise employers to help ensure that their people are motivated and satisfied and supported in the way that they need to be? I think we we all agree that we're not managing just a bit of turmoil but we're managing a crisis now. And uh, crisis is a Greek term, uh, crisis, uh, and crisis means uh, the need to take decision fast, okay? So it's a medical term uh, that fundamentally meant uh, that the patient would have died uh, if a decision is not taken. So a crisis, you need to take decision. You cannot sit down and uh, relax and enjoy the view. You, 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 do to, you get to do something. So the first one is, uh, well, you need to take some actions, okay? The second one, okay, knowing that this is a case, uh, what do you put as a priority? And then uh, in my view, I mean, I go back to, to my own set of beliefs, uh, you put people first. You put people first. Uh, when I say people first, I mean making sure that people are safer, making sure that people are comfortable. It doesn't mean, you know, guarantee the jobs for, for, for the next 40 years because everybody is, is, is realistic enough to know that in some industries, some sectors, it's tough. But you don't play with people's life. We don't risk them uh, to do something stupid for the sake of keeping maybe some business open. And uh, by doing this, uh, you send a very strong message of uh, you're more important than anything else. The second one is to connect with the purpose of what you're doing, what you're doing. Uh, we are purpose seekers. We are looking for purpose in our life and not just job description and salaries. And so why you're doing what you're doing, to me, is quite an important element to keep on having clear in people's radar, specifically in a moment where the community is dissolved because we're not in the same place. So fundamentally, it's not about having a nice narrative or nice video or whatever, but remember, again, what you stand for. Uh, what are the things that uh, matters to your organization? Um, for example, Ferrari had a, a very interesting program called Back on Track, which is a, a terminology that, uh, you know, is, is close to Formula One. Fundamentally, say, we're going to get you back on track, but we're going to do, you know, the coronavirus test for you and everybody in your family. This is what we're going to do to keep you safe. If you don't feel comfortable coming, absolutely not a problem. And so they put this back on track program. There's been actually the first company to reopen in Italy. And now pretty much 90% of the people are back on track. 
uh, safe and sound, including their families, in a, in a way that is, of course, a very productive and very performance-oriented, but also very safe. So I think uh, right now I would uh, advise or encourage organization to have uh, these two dimensions clear, people first, uh, and don't forget why you're doing what you're doing, which is the purpose of, of your business, not just the KPIs, the sales, and the financial dimension. It's a great case study to hear about. Thank you for sharing that. Very interesting to hear. Thinking again about our individual members who grapple with work-life balance, often they have pressing responsibilities at home and, and pressured careers. Now those lines between work and home are even more blurry with many forms of childcare not available and schools still shut in the UK. What support would you give to people who are struggling with this work-life balance and the boundaries between the two being so so closely blurred at the moment? Well, it, it takes two to tango because I think the responsibility to have uh, an intelligent modality of working cannot be placed uh, exclusively on people working for the organization or managers or human resources. When I say it takes two to tango, it is a matter of having clear policy and clear rule of engagement, no? So, for example, what's happening right now, actually I'm writing a, an article on, on this specific topic, uh, um, the people they feel to a certain extent a bit guilty because maybe the productivity is not so high, so they start working, you know, immediately after breakfast and uh, lunchtime doesn't exist and they go off after two, you know, seven or eight in the evening and all of a sudden the working week uh, goes from 42, 45 hours to 65 to 70 without any, any clear break, you know. So this is, you know, to a certain extent uh, is a wonderful sign of commitment but is uh, an unsustainable rhythm that is not going to, cannot be sustained. So the organization should be clear on what, uh, what is expected from individual and if the organization is not, uh, the individual should actually draw some lines. For example, you know, availability not before nine and not after six. Uh, and understanding that incidentally flexibility means different things to different people. No? I have a friend of mine uh, that uh, lives in New York uh, in a very small apartment with four relatively small kids uh, and for this guy staying at home is a bit of a struggle. Okay. Uh, but I have another friend of mine who lives in, in a beautiful place in Sweden by a forest and for him being at home is beautiful. So we cannot assume that uh, working from home means the same thing for different people and the four organizations should uh, shift uh, control from physical presence uh, to outcome and leaving people the freedom fundamentally to produce uh, in a meaningful way, which is fundamentally means uh, that the shift uh, of leadership moves uh, dramatically from control to building trust, okay? Because, uh, Anna, you're, you're, let's say I'm your boss, uh, how can I control you? I can't. I don't know what you're doing. Before, after this webinar, I have no idea what you're going to do. So what should I be doing? Putting little spies and little cameras to check that, you know, maybe your coffee break was too long? Of course not. It's a matter of trust. And therefore, building trust, the way I see, is a key element of being an effective leader in the future. I know that one of the topics that you talk about often as a speaker is around the future of work and the the coronavirus seems to be accelerating a lot of the areas and topics that you, you've been talking around in terms of technology, remote working, flexibility, all these areas. What do you see as the opportunity for long-term change, positive change and, and perhaps any risks that you think might emerge from coronavirus in terms of working cultures in particular? The, the world has always been divided to a certain extent on this specific theme in, on, on two, two schools of thoughts. The optimistic, they believe that these technological changes and uh, the future is brighter 
with a lot of wonderful opportunities and uh, the pessimistic that believe that the opposite is true and uh, everything started with with the first industrial revolution that started in uk and uh, let's remember also mary shelley frankenstein when the frankenstein was created frankenstein said you have created me but i will be your master and it was a symbol of uh, of saying the technological uh, revolution at the first industrial revolution would create a monster that would have controlled human, humankind you know so life is and the human human being always being divided in these two categories personally i think that both of them are right <laughs> because there are going to be great opportunities uh, but they're going to be big challenges at the same time so we need to in my view um uh, get out of the debate if you belong to the pessimistic or the optimistic people and try to understand what's going on uh, just perhaps a couple of uh, of, of information uh, before coronavirus um, so right now there are 40 million uh, of people unemployed uh, in the united states but last year this time literally last year this time in june uh, um, there were seven millions of jobs available in the united states around seven millions of unemployed people in the united states so donald trump uh, or the let's say the political machine said, listen this is a wonderful example the america is doing very well because there are so many jobs available now, leaving beside the political debate, um, if you look at the granularity of the data, you would have found out two different narratives. On one side, yes, seven million jobs available. On the other side, seven million of people unemployed for more than two years, unable to find a job. So the problem wasn't the efficiency of the job market. The problem was that between supply and demand, there was a delta, there was a gap, because what people offered in terms of skills were very different from what people, what organizations were asking in terms of skills. So what does it mean? That the challenges can be met positively provided that we learn new things, new skills, new professions, new modalities that are currently in demand that are not available. So the real challenge to me is not so much on the job market, but on the learning of people and individuals. So my suggestion is that organization, individual teams, uh, countries should invest massively in people education and learning because without that uh, we will still maybe create some jobs but we will not be able to fill it because people will not be able to do it fantastic incredibly insightful thought around skills to to finish us there paolo thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today we really appreciate it and i think the members city parents are going to find this discussion incredibly helpful and thank you to our listeners as well if you'd like to hear more about city parents please visit us at cityparents.co.uk or you can follow us on linkedin twitter or facebook in the meantime stay tuned for more from city parents coming soon <laughs>